0: Hey guys, most of you know that I'm one of the founders here at the Motherhood Anthology membership along with Jenny and Allison, but I want to let you know that I'm also one of the co-owners of Indie Print Co. And at Indie, we say that we're on a mission to revive the art of printing by means of beautifully crafted heirloom albums and fine art prints. Now through February the 7th, Indie is offering our studio sample sale. That means 40% off of heirloom and fine art sample albums and 20% off of our fine art prints and our matted sample albums. You don't need a code. You just need to go on our site and set up an account. So just go to ndprintco.com and click on shop to see all the lovely products that we have there for you. Again, the sale will be offered until February the 7th. So head on over there today and check it out. As entrepreneurs in the business of motherhood photography, we often hear the importance of generating leads. However, a major issue we hear inside the motherhood anthology community is the struggle of actually converting those leads into paying clients. Welcome to the motherhood anthology podcast, photography education for a business you love. My name is Kim Box and I'm your host with a collaboration of my co host and business partners at the motherhood anthology, Jenny Kruger and Allison Craig. On today's episode of the Motherhood Anthology podcast, I have the privilege of sitting down with photographer, podcaster, and business coach, Chelsea Hollis. She's had such great success in growing her own businesses throughout the years that she now coaches people like me and you on scaling our businesses through her easy to apply tools and systems. And in this episode, she shares exactly how to make the magic happen with your leads by executing proven conversion strategies and tactics. Now I present to you episode number six of the Motherhood Anthology podcast. Welcome back to the Motherhood Anthology podcast. I'm excited to chat with Chelsea Hollis, an expert on lead conversion and one of our educators inside the Motherhood Anthology membership this month. She's here to walk us through her methods, tips, and tricks to convert your inquiries into real paying clients. So thank you, Chelsea. Welcome. Hi. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I know everyone's so busy this time of year, and so we really appreciate your time, and I'm so excited just to get to know you today. So if you wouldn't mind, just start by telling everyone about yourself and where you live and who you serve and what you shoot. So I live on the coast
1: of North Carolina in a little town called Wilmington. I don't know if you've heard of it. I have Um, heard of that. Yeah, we love it here. I actually went to college here and that's what brought me and my husband back to this town. And it's definitely such a welcoming community when it comes to small businesses and entrepreneurs because this town kind of runs off of small businesses. So I always say that I have this area to thank for a lot of my success. I'm a mama of two. I have a three-month-old little girl named Irie and a two-year-old boy named Silas. So,
0: so you still are very busy.
1: Yeah, I'm still very much <laughs> in the thick of, uh, you know, the infant n- no sleep days. So I'm running off of a lot of coffee. More recently in my business, I converted over to shooting primarily motherhood and family. I think a lot of us can relate in the COVID days sort of opened up our eyes to what really mattered to us. And maybe we saw some pivots on the forefront. I know I did with how heavily I was into weddings at the time, um, and I was going through my first pregnancy during COVID, and just kind of realized that that was where I found the most purpose in my business. So I ended up creating an offer where I work with my families from their pregnancy announcements through maternity and sometimes birth, and their newborn photos, and then we put it all together in an album in the end, telling the whole story of the journey to their baby. So. That's really what I specialize in now as well as educating other photographers to find what it is, their purpose is in their business too.
0: Tell us more about that. Um, I think you call that your milestone collection and I read that you trademarked that. That's very cool. Tell us how it differs from maybe the baby plan that we might be familiar with or a membership. So I kind of specialize it more
1: in... The whole process of bringing baby Earthside. So, we do a pregnancy announcement if they choose. Like I said, their maternity photos. I also got my doula certification so that I could be there for their births if they so choose that option. And also, just to kind of wrap in the community and support element of it, because I find, you know especially when you're working with someone in like a membership or a baby plan, you're seeing them frequently throughout the year. And for many of my clients, I'm seeing them throughout the duration of their pregnancies and many of them going through it for the first time. And so I got my doula certification, not to be at every single one of their births. Cause that's just not really possible. Like I said, right. I have two little ones. I have a business. I can't be on call for that, but more so to just have like the educational aspect and emotional intelligence and the like Additional ways of supporting my moms because I would find that in our sessions, we would be, a lot of these topics would be brought up and they'd be telling me what they were struggling with or the things that they were nervous about, or, you know, they would ask advice for A, B, and C. And I just really felt like, especially going through pregnancy for the first time during COVID, that there's a lot of gaps in like the way that women are supported during an isolating time like that. And so I thought, If I'm going to be seeing them this many times a year and trying to capture them in a way that makes them feel beautiful and loved and supported, then this is the way that I could add to that. So I feel like that's what sets my brand apart in that way. And yeah, I started working with a business coach around that time through my pivot and she highly encouraged me to go ahead and trademark it because there weren't really any other photographers in our area with such an offer. And I did that
0: and it's been really great ever since. I love that. It's so interesting that you got your doula certification and that you come from the wedding world, because I feel like in the wedding world, we always say, you know, we play so many different roles as far as like therapist and wedding planner and photographer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so as you pivoted into um, motherhood and maternity, like, I think that's just another like way to serve your client and also set yourself up to be kind of the expert. And I love that. That's awesome. Thank you. And you're a podcaster as well.
1: I am. Yes.
0: I was going to say, I actually had a podcast
1: with a friend. We started it in 2019. It was called Heart and Soul and it got pretty big. We got a really awesome following from it. I booked many, many wedding clients from it and developed many friendships from it. At the time, I was still working part-time in fitness and kind of running my business on the side before I took it full-time. And so the heart behind that podcast was more sharing stories of like breakthrough and shameless living around body image and following your passion and like finding your purpose in life and all that. Um, And then once I became a mom and our schedules got crazier, my my co-host became a mom too. And she kind of took her business in that direction of staying more fitness-based and body image-based. And I took mine more to the route where it is now. And so I started Milestone Mama separately to be able to talk about things like birth stories and more educational topics there.
0: So I think that's so interesting and it, and it really kind of set us up for our talk today on converting leads Mm -hmm. um, to book clients, because it seems like you have come up with a pretty great system for creating content and setting yourself up like as an industry expert, which should convert into leads, which then you have to convert into clients. So is that kind of your thinking like with the extra things that you do? Absolutely.
1: It kind of is full circle for me, I think in the way that I, that I think about it. Um, Because yes, it's a lead generator, but it's also a part of my brand that is like adding value. So, you know, each time I sign on a new milestone mama, if they didn't find me through my podcast, I say, Hey, like, just so you know, you're not alone. You can join my Facebook group. You can listen to this podcast. I have all these extra resources for you. Yes. I'm going to be your photographer, but Like, I get it. You're going through a lot. So here are all the other ways that I'm going to support you through this, too. So it can kind of act as a way to add value to your brand as well as a lead generator. And when you're busy and running a a business and you're a mom, I think the more birds you can kill with one stone, the better. So I look for all those types of avenues when it comes
0: to the content. Absolutely. And it just comes from such a genuine place, it sounds like. So you're not just creating this content to drum up leads, but I mean, that's where your heart is and you can tell that's your kind of the why behind your business and that does set you apart. So tell us on the subject of converting leads to clients, like I would just love for you to jump in and Give us a little talk today about that. Like, I know that you, you're, like I said, you are an educator in our membership this month and like, I'd love for you to, to talk everyone through, you know, some of that content that you shared with us. Absolutely. So I think
1: the biggest thing, and I don't know if you, you guys would agree. I feel like these days I'm seeing a lot of photographers burning out, like selling their equipment, giving up. And that's really sad to see. I'm seeing a lot of it in like Facebook groups and on the online communities and people who are just at a loss of why they're not booking or bringing in profit, which is a whole other topic, but converting leads, I think is the the start of it all. And that can be really frustrating when you're getting the leads and you're then getting ghosted. So I think it's just so important to note that the steps that you're taking to do this is what's causing your clients to walk away or not. It's got to be more than just messaging somebody back on social media and hoping they're going to respond to you or sending them what your pricing is or cold messaging people from Facebook groups. Like there needs to be a process in this. Basically, I break it down into three different like pillars of or key principles of how to convert your leads. And it can, it's going to come down to communication, value, and convenience. So if you want, I'll just kind of start there and walk through each one of those pillars. Absolutely. when it comes to communication, I think the biggest thing is promptness and timeliness. In these days, everyone wants instant gratification. Unfortunately for us, sometimes it can be a lot. And I know many people might be listening to this and think, well, Chelsea, you know, I, I have a life. I can't respond to somebody within hours every single time. And I totally get it. That's definitely the case, but there are methods and systems that you can put into place that allow you to respond professionally. And with all the information that your client needs in a very timely manner, if you already have the foundation of those responses built and those boundaries up. And so with that, I would recommend always getting back to your client within 24 to 48 hours at the maximum. Like we've got Amazon prime. Now people are not going to wait more than a few days before Moving on, unfortunately, most of the time. And the other thing is, I think we have to get our leads out of DMs and messages and like texts because we're human. And if you're leaving that on red, chances are you're going to forget. And to be quite honest, it's not always super professional when I see people responding with their pricing in a chat box. (laughs) And you're kind of missing out on a lot of opportunity to convert your client by starting with the pricing. If you can't show your value, your work, if they can't, you know, see testimonials from previous clients and all the reasons why you're charging what you're charging. So that brings me into the next point, which is value. So if you're starting off your conversation with what your price is, you're really leaving a lot on the table by not giving opportunity to show your, your potential client why your pricing is where it's at. So you need to develop a way that's going to demonstrate what it's like to work with you so that your inquiring leads can envision themselves in front of your camera and what it's like to work with you and what your personality is like, what they're going to feel like when they get in front of your camera, which is a very vulnerable place to be sometimes. One of the, the parallels that I draw from my old career in the fitness world was, you know, when I would come in to teach like a, let's say a, a Zumba class or something like that of 50 people and let's say someone's walking in there for the first time and they've never taken a Zumba class. If their instructor just kind of like ignores them, just gets right into it, maybe doesn't give a lot of feedback, they're going to feel like they're failing and never want to do it again. They're going to want to hide in the corner. But if they walk in and they are welcomed with a big smile and they're reassured that they're going to be walked through every step of the way and feel like they are part of something bigger, then that client's going to keep coming back and back for more and more classes. So I really drew that parallel when it came to photography. Your clients are being put in a vulnerable place in front of a camera. If they're not a professional model, most of the time they're going to feel a little nervous. So if they can see a little bit of who you are and already feel comfortable in, your copy, the way that you're marketing yourself, then they're going to be a lot more likely to want to get in front of your camera among the many other photographers in the industry. And then lastly, that brings me to convenience. Again, every day or everybody these days is so used to that instant gratification and everybody's busy So if you are sending an email with, hey, here's all my availability for the next coming weeks, what works best for you? And you're leaving these kind of open-ended questions, basically giving your client more work (laughs) to do, they're going to probably leave that on red and walk away and very unlikely that they're going to get back to you. So if you can make it as easy as possible and reduce the amount of emails down to one or two back and forth from that initial inquiry to the booking, the better. So I recommend having a calendar link already in that initial email so that if everything looks good with what they see and the value and in, in your showing and the pricing isn't within their budget, they should be able to click once and pick a date and time and get on your calendar within one or two emails and or a phone call consultation, if that's what you do. So that's really what it comes down
0: to. That's like the short notes version of it. And I can get into more depth as we continue the conversation. Yeah, for sure. So uh, (laughs) let's circle back and go through each three now. And let's talk about practical, applicable ways to uh, incorporate that into our business. So starting with communication, tell me about how that works in your business so from the first inquiry do you do you get on a call you said I did um ahead of time have that like some people you know with the initial inquiry will shoot people a text but I love Mm -hmm. that you mentioned like trying to get out of that and dms and so talk to us about how you communicate um with your clients and if you do get a dm or a tech like how do you redirect that
1: Yeah. So. I know a lot of people might disagree with me, but I don't have my phone number anywhere um, online. I tried to wipe it from everything as much as I could because I was just finding that the load that we feel as entrepreneurs is so heavy when it comes to like urgency and getting back to people, right? Like if I got a text at 9 p.m. and it was from a client, I would feel like this weight that I needed to get back to them, even though they probably were just thinking of something happened to text me and didn't expect a response right away maybe until Monday but I feel that and it's just one more step that I need to take to then like step from my you know text to my computer to find a specific document to send them or you know it, again if I read the text then I could very well forget as well so I was just finding myself feeling like chaotic and unorganized and stressed out without having that personal boundary up of how my clients can communicate with me now, once they're booked and I sign them on for like a plan, and we develop that friendship, yes, they have access to my phone number if they need to reach me to, you know, find me at a session location or something like that. But when it comes to leads and inquiries, I try to eliminate that next step. And so the first thing I did again was delete my phone number from everything. But then I set up a um, what is the what is it called on Instagram when you can you can have like a saved response
0: in your DMs. Um, Like an auto, like an auto reply or something like that.
1: Yeah. It's not automatic reply, but it's like a, a text it's already saved within there. You can do, you have to still select it, but I think it's called a saved response on Instagram. I'm going to have to go in and, and look, but I had a couple of those set up with my website contact form embedded in it so that now when people, if they happen to inquire through Instagram or Facebook or whatever it might be. Instead of me having to type everything out for them or ask them for their email, in which then I would need to take that next step to type in their email, remember, you know, put that on my to-do list to send them more information. I'll say, you know, oh my gosh, thank you so much for reaching out, find that personal connection with them. You know, if you wouldn't mind, could you please just fill out this form? It's going to take you like one to two minutes. Going to allow me to find out a little bit more about you, and what you're looking for, and it'll get you right into my inbox. And that way I can respond a lot quicker with, you know, my investment guide and answer any questions that you have. And it'll direct you straight to my booking link to get you on the calendar. And pretty much always, they're going to click that link, fill it out within that minute or two and get me in my, get right into my inbox. And so instead of it now being another layer that I need to add onto my to-do list, they're already waiting in the queue of my CRM in my inquiries. So the next time I'm going to respond to inquiries, they're already there. And it's a couple clicks for me to respond with my investment guide and booking link for them. What CRM do you use? I use HoneyBook. I have my contact form through HoneyBook. So they already have all their information in there. And all I need to do is get on, click a couple buttons, (laughs) bring out my email templates and how to respond to the specific type of session that they're looking for add in some personal notes there send it their way and they can be booked within that one email and that's a really great segue actually into the creating connection part of communication because if someone's reaching out to you who you have no other like previous relationship with it can kind of be hard to find those touch points of like creating connection and making them feel seen and heard And so I add in a couple of different questions into my inquiry form that allows me to learn a little bit more and therefore be able to kind of touch on those as I respond. So for example, I ask them, you know, is it their first pregnancy or if they have any existing children, what are their names and ages? What do they love to do? What's their coffee order at Starbucks? And most of the time I'll use that as a way to bring coffee to my newborn mamas when we have their session because I know they're sleep deprived. And that's another. Small love language for sure. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and then I also ask, you know, like let's say you have a, a Saturday totally free, and you guys can do whatever the heck you want. Like, what would your dream Saturday as a as a family be? And they kind of tell me the things they love to do around town. Maybe they'll mention their favorite brewery or coffee shop, and then that gives me a bridge for those connections and the things that I can respond with. Oh my gosh, I love the name that you're going to name your baby your baby girl. That's so beautiful. Or, you know, I have a son that age two, that makes pictures so much fun, or here's where it can be challenging. And here's where I can be the expertise and making your session with your toddler more pleasant, (laughs) you know? So as much as you can learn about your client in those initial interactions, the better so that they feel seen. If I were to just respond with a generic, like, Hey, here's my pricing, here's my booking link. Let me know if you have any questions. Sometimes that would convert, but if they feel so connected and seen, and like I took the time to learn more about them, then again, that's going to make them feel more comfortable in front of your lens.
0: So at what point are you asking those questions? Is that a follow-up questionnaire or is that, are those questions in your initial inquiry? They're
1: in my initial inquiry. I try to limit it to just a few because, you know, I don't want them to have to spend so much time filling out a form but only a couple of them are required. And then a couple are just like, if they feel like filling it out and letting me know, then great. If not, no big deal. But I have questions in there. I think the the perfect Saturday is one that I require. And then I also ask them like how they want to feel when they look at their photos and kind of what they're planning on using
0: them for and all that stuff. So no phone calls to this point. Are you following up? So
1: I, at this point, most of the time they're clicking my booking link and they're getting on my calendar. I see that booking link come through and I send over their proposal. If they are inquiring about a milestone collection and they're wondering about, you know, what it might look like for me to support their birth as their doula photographer or anything more in depth like that, I also include a link for them to schedule a call if that's what they prefer, if they have additional questions. But I will say most of the time, because everything is so straightforward and all the value is right there in front of them, they're on my calendar within that first interaction. And the easiest way to do that, like I said, is to use systems within your CRM. Depending on which one you use, I'm sure there's a, a way in a system for saving templates. And I have an inquiry response template for maternity, one for newborn, one for family sessions that are all kind of catered towards you know what they need to know for those types of sessions.
0: So for the second pillar that you, you talked about value, can you tell us some specific ways in which we could add value or that you add value in your offers? Absolutely.
1: When it comes to value, you really want to look at, you know, what is setting you apart as a photographer in your industry. We all know, like it is a very I hate to use this like buzzword, but saturated market. (laughs) And so if somebody is to find you on, especially if they're going to find you through like a search engine, rather than like someone who you've already been nurturing through social media and that relationship, you want to have as much value in front of them presented in a clear matter as possible. So why are you the best choice for this particular client? I always say, consider what the top three problems are for this ideal client and like how you can solve them. So do they have toddlers and they're terrified of what that session is going to look like and be stressed out? You know, they don't know what to wear. And you find that a lot of your clients are reaching out with questions or they're showing up with outfits that don't tend to photograph well or be flattering on them. And then they're not happy with it later. Consider all of those things that you're continuously getting questions about. And why you can help them and why you're the expert in whatever that problem might be. So some examples of how you can add value are portrait session prep guides, you know, with all the tips and tricks for planning their outfits or vendor recommendations for hair and makeup in your area. If that's not something that's included within your initial packaging and that's as simple as, you know, developing a PDF on Canva or a hidden page on your website. You can host a client closet, give them the option for complimentary clothing rentals. You know, as busy mamas, like that's one of the things that I find that they're most appreciative if, appreciative of in my offers because they hardly have time to like shower every day. Never mind, you know, find a, a dress to wear for their newborn session. <laughs> you can include professional hair and makeup. You can offer print products within your collections, which include consultations on which ones are going to look best in their home you can uh, one of the things that I did is reached out to specific local vendors in my area so that they could give them perks if they book a session with me so there's a few like favorite boutiques in the area that I said hey you know if my clients are going to shop at your store to buy outfits for their portrait session with me would you be okay with giving them a little discount and they created some codes for me that I include in the um portrait session prep guide. Um, I also have a local spray tan artist who, uh, you know, I know as us photographers, we're usually like, please don't get a spray tan. (laughs) It's going to be so hard to edit. But I say, if you're going to get one, use this person because she does like the airbrush professional, really, really good stuff that like, you can't even tell it's a spray tan. So she worked out a little discount code for me too. So that I'm like, Hey, If you're going to get one, this is my go-to girl. Please use her to avoid the streakiness. You can offer something as simple as like booking a pre-session consult and, you know, easing their mind about what it's going to look like, helping them pick out their outfits. You can zoom and go through their closets with them. It doesn't have to be extravagant if you're intimidated by something like a client closet. Yeah, those are all, all different ways that you can add that value and you want to make sure that that's all within your investment guide so they know everything that's going to be included and everything that they're going to be taken care of with when they're working with you.
0: So did you always have it all figured out or did you have to come to a a point where you streamline things and was there a moment of burnout? You talked a little bit about burnout, but did you have a moment like that or you just knew from previous businesses that, hey, this is the way? I need to do it from the beginning. Oh yeah,
1: I was burnt out for sure. Um, <laughs> I think we all get there at some point with this field where people people pleasers and you know, when you're a solopreneur, there's there's no hard boundaries in what's personal life and what's business and it it the lines get really blurry and that's a blessing and a curse, you know. When I was still juggling like my part-time job and my photography business, that was like the real kicker for me to be like, all right, I got to have some sort of boundaries in place and systems in place so that I can get back to these people quicker and get to a place where I'm working so efficiently that I can, you know, take this jump to go full-time. So I think that was really the catalyst for me. And then it really got, I got way more stickler when I had my first baby because I was like, okay, I literally can't. Do this anymore. Like before it was I shouldn't do this anymore. Now it's like I physically don't have the time. And becoming a mom really gave you the permission to like say no to things, not feel guilty about saying no to things, setting up that boundary in a respectful way in a way that's like actually serving your clients without making it seem like, you know, you don't care about them enough to respond to them right away in DM. (laughs) You can present it in a way that's, hey, I can actually get back to you quicker. If you just take one to two minutes to fill this form out for me.
0: Do you have a VA or do you outsource anything?
1: I don't at this time. I went through a little period of having a VA in 2021. That was kind of my like transition year where I still had 20 something weddings as I was transferring like my business to be motherhood based. So I was finishing out all of my weddings that were Rescheduled from 2020 to 2021 on top of Mm. newly booked weddings. And then, you know, all my milestone mamas and uh, additional portrait sessions. And so talk about burnout. That was probably, it was my most, um, I brought in the most income I ever have that year. And I was the most miserable because I was so stressed out. So for those months, I did have a VA and I hired outsource editing for my weddings but when it comes to editing for my portrait sessions, I, I still do all of that. I've really gotten it down to a science at this point where I can um, keep that margin, that profit margin by editing my sessions myself because they're not such a beast as weddings were. But if I ever get to a point of you know my editing queue getting backed up, then I definitely would consider taking that route again because it is a beautiful thing to have your hands on it for and have it emailed back to you completed.
0: (laughs) It's one of the best feelings ever. So when you think about converting leads to book clients, where do you think most people drop the ball? Is there is there something in particular you can put your finger on? To be honest, I this might get into a whole other like realm. (laughs) So I don't
1: want to open up too many cans of worms here, but I think it's when the photographer doesn't believe in their own offer. Because if you don't believe it and you don't have the confidence in your pricing and what you're offering and you're going to waver on your pricing or, you know, have so much flexibility or offer everything under the sun, you know, your your, your potential client's going to see right through that. A confused client or a confused lead is not going to buy. Everything needs to be very straightforward. You need to walk into it with confidence. The value needs to be so clearly presented that... It's a no brainer and it's okay to, you know, use language within your marketing. That is very differentiating. Like people are either going to come to your website and say, yes, that's my girl. I want to work with her. These are the images that I want. This is how I want to feel. Or that is the complete opposite of what I want. And they're going to walk away. Polarizing. That's the word (laughs) you want to be polarizing because the more specific you can get, the more those ideal clients are going to feel like that's me. That's who I want. This is the move right here.
0: I heard what someone say one time that I don't care if if everyone um likes what I do, but I care that they know what I do. I've always loved that. And what is that other saying? Like a a product for everyone is a product for no one. Yes. Um, kind of on the same same vein. But it's interesting that you say that like Say that about like the confidence because that's kind of been a reoccurring theme as we've been recording these episodes. Like when we talk to people that have figured it out or they're having success now, um, that's that's what they're saying is like you know like if you're serving your client well, if you're providing a quality product, then. The key really to it all that ties it all together is just having that confidence to present that, to feel good mm-hmm. about your pricing and, and to be able to present that to the client with confidence, you know, like they're looking for the expert. They're looking for someone to guide them and to tell them, Hey, this is what we should do. This is what you should do. Um, it's what you should wear. This is what I suggest you do with your images, like just having the confidence to feel good about what you're providing and what you're charging for that.
1: Yeah. Exactly. I I always tell my, my coaches, if you are booking every single lead, then you're not doing something right. Like something is missing here because there should be the ones who come to you, get the additional information, and are gonna walk away because either your pricing is too low or or they're confused if they're an ideal client walking away. The idea is to have the one step away who don't see you for who you are, what your ideal client is and, you know, value what you're presenting to them. And I think the other thing too, is the clarity in what your offers are as well. And that again, comes with the confidence to like say no to certain things, like, you know, photographers who still book every type of session under the sun, every type of event under the sun, when you can really niche down and say, you know, no, I'm going to set the boundary. This is what I offer. This is why I'm the expert at this. I have, you know, one to three offers. And these are the very few ways that you can work with me. That's going to prompt people to take that next, next step a lot quicker too than having to read through 15 to 20 different offers and just be confused as to why they should pick one over the other.
0: That's good advice. So was it scary for you to leave the wedding world? You know, yes, it was, but I never
1: actually felt fear around it, if that makes any sense. I definitely had moments where I was like, okay, is this something that I really want to do? Like, can I bridge the gap when it comes to income? Because I had gotten to a point where I was bringing in really good money from weddings and that, you know, I knew it was coming in for the next year, year and a half to two years. But that was also the very thing that stressed me out the most <laughs> was it's a lot of weight to hold for people. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of time away from my family. And we had, you know, years of our lives booked out ahead of us that took away from us being able to travel and see family. And, you know, none of our family lives in this, in our town. And so they really limited our ability to see them. I knew that it was the right decision in my heart for all of those reasons, um, and I had a few just like doozy scenarios within, <laughs> like the pandemic brides that I was like, yeah, you know, I just don't feel the the purpose in this anymore. Um, I've seen firsthand that the good stuff comes in your marriage and in growing your family and in everything that comes after the wedding, and so it it started to feel almost phony to me to like market to weddings and couples because I no longer really like saw the value in those images, if that makes sense. Like, of course your wedding day is going to be incredible and you're going to look back on those photos. But I started to look internally and think, you know, what is it that sets me apart as a wedding photographer? Do I really have purpose in, in what I do, or is it just really fun shooting really beautiful images of, pretty flowers and details and things like that yes I value my relationship with my clients but so many photographers do right the good stuff is here and you know for example like on my wedding day my husband was super sick and we don't have super great memories on that day together as a couple but soon after that we got pregnant and had our first baby and just those magical pivotal moments of our lives were so much more impactful. And I've just felt like I could serve my clients so much better in that season. That was a
0: really long-winded
1: answer to your No, question, I love but. it.
0: <laughs> I love it. It's been my experience that successful businesses are the ones that really are genuine to the individual and what they believe instead and believe in love. And So often, you know, we get in that rat race of doing what everyone's doing and trying to compete. And, but when, I think when a person does, you've said the word purpose more than once. And I think when a person does find purpose in their work, that's where the magic happens. And so congratulations on um, finding that. I think that's pretty special. Thank you. I also read that your parents were entrepreneurs. Is that yeah, right? they are. so I love all things entrepreneurial and bu- business, and kind of the motivation behind that. So tell me, what's the best lesson that your parents kind of passed along to you about business and entrepreneur? I don't even know know the right word entrepreneur- <laughs> entrepreneurship. Is that yes? <laughs> yes. This is going to sound so cliche, but
1: the importance of community. So my parents opened up a specialty spice store in the Raleigh area, which is a few hours away from where we are. And from the very start, I saw my mom, you know, reaching out to local bakers and chefs and candy makers and all sorts of other small businesses in the area. And she looked for ways to collaborate or like give them a platform to grow, like, you know, bringing them in for tastings at their shop on their busy days or you know, showcasing them on their social media or whatever it might be. And I really feel like that is what led to the trajectory of their, the rest of their years in business. They've had the shop for gosh, 12 years now, I think they were one of the first to go up in their community, like the shopping center, it was a brand new build. And they're one of the only ones that are like still standing 12 years later, which I think is just a testament to, absolutely their investment in people and you know lifting other people up and so I really used that in the beginning of my business to grow and connect and I did a lot of the free stuff and the collabs and the trades and the ways of how can we work together so that we both benefit from this and that I feel like really led to my success in what it is that I do
0: Oh, you just set me up for my last question. (laughs) So, how do you define success? Mm, That's such a good (laughs) one.
1: I um, it's funny that you ask this because this is something that I encourage all of my coaches to do at the very beginning. You know, especially when they come to with to me with these goals, sometimes they don't even know why they're their goals. They're just kind of what they. What they see as the next step, Uh, like a good example of this is, when I first started out as a photographer, I saw like being a wedding photographer as like the gold standard, right? Like, oh my gosh, if I could shoot a wedding, then I'm then I've made it. You know, people trust me to shoot their wedding, then I've made it. If I make this much money shooting weddings, then I've made it. And like I mentioned, you know, I had a year like 2021 where I brought in the most income I ever had, and I was miserable. And I didn't even really realize it until I looked at my numbers at the end of the year and I was like, holy crap, I made way more than I even thought I did. And I didn't even have a chance to take a look at it, nor did I care or feel like that was success because of how miserable that it felt living it and working it. And so success to me now is being in a work that I love, that I continuously feel purpose in, that I know I'm making a difference. And I can still be myself and happy and creative and like a good mom to my babies. And I get time with them and my husband above everything else. And we're still paying the bills. (laughs) Like if that is my enough, you know, is that paying the bills and having that quality time, then that's success to me. Success is what is enough. If
0: that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. I love that my business partner, Josh shared, we always share quotes and things back and forth. And he texted me yesterday and it was one short little video and it said, what is the meaning of life? The answer was enjoying the passing of time. And I thought, Mm -hmm. oh, that's good. That's really good. Yeah, That's kind of success, isn't it? Like enjoying, that's kind of what you said, enjoying the passing of time.
1: Because I mean, it's it's so easy to get caught up in the what's next, especially as an entrepreneur. Because we're the ones setting the next bar for ourselves. It's not like we're in the corporate world and we have these notches to check off or these you know next roles we can step into. It it just is this continuous like need oh, for yeah. more. It feels like in this.
0: absolutely. That's where the question I think came from for me because I've asked everyone on the podcast so far that question. and I think it's because we get so busy as entrepreneurs like like you said, once we meet one goal, we've already set another and we don't stop to celebrate um, yes. where we where we are and how far we've come. And you know, the older I get, the more I realize that there's never going to be a pinnacle. You're never going to reach the top of the mountain and go, yep, this is it. This is what I've been working my whole life for. Um, So I think we have to make ourselves define what is success to me. So I'll know that when I reach that and then stop long enough to celebrate that moment and with your family and give yourself a pat on the back and say, hey, I'm, I'm proud of what I've accomplished and this may be enough, you know? <laughs> so Yes. I know you can't see me, but I was just like nodding my head that whole Aww. time you were talking. Like, yes, exactly.
1: Because <laughs> yeah, we need to allow ourselves time to rest in what we've built and what we've accomplished. We don't we don't do that nearly enough. So let this be your your reminder today if you're listening to this. Maybe jot down a few things that you're proud of that you've accomplished this year. It's a good time for it, right? I don't know when this is gonna be released, but it's November right now. So It's a good time of the year to do that reflecting.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed getting to know you. I purposefully don't connect with guests ahead of time because I, I love to explore people and get to know them and pick their brain. And I think that happens authentically if you don't really set up for that. And I've really enjoyed our talk today. I want to talk with you more. Oh, thank you. Uh, I enjoyed yeah. it as well. <laughs> Tell everybody where they can connect with you and find you.
1: Sure. So I am on Instagram probably the most frequently, and you can find me at Chelsea Allegra, C-H-E-L-S-E-A-A-L-L-E-G-R-A. And my website is chelseaallegra.com. If you want to reach out there, look at my work. I have a digital educational resource shop as well. So yeah, I'd love to connect with you and feel free to reach out to my DMs. I'll likely respond with a voice memo because that's my love language these days.
0: And I just want to let our members know that we do have a discount code inside the membership for your digital product shop. So thank you for doing that for our members and thank you so much again.
1: Absolutely. Thank you guys. Appreciate it.
0: Talk to you soon. All right. bye. Bye didn't you just love that episode? Chelsea's such a gem in our TMA community and as an educator in our TMA membership. If you got anything out of this episode, I hope you jotted down her three pillars, communication, value, and convenience, and her tips on executing those pillars in your own business. Thank you so much, Chelsea, for sharing so liberally all that has and has not worked for you so that we can become the best versions of ourselves as entrepreneurs. We would love for you to be a part of our TMA membership when we reopen after the first of the year. So if you haven't already, please head over to themotherhoodanthology.com and sign up for our email list so that you don't miss out. In the membership, you'll have access to amazing educators like Chelsea, a library of resources and educational materials, mentoring, and much more. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at The Motherhood Anthology and join our open and welcoming free TMA community on Facebook. You guys know by now that I love a good quote, and I'd be remiss not to close out this episode with a quote I referenced in our discussion today with Chelsea, which I've since learned is a James Taylor quote, which makes it all the better. The secret to life is enjoying the passage of time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Motherhood Anthology podcast. From our lens to yours, until next time, friends.